You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show, well, it's all about the business of trucking. We take your calls. We answer your questions about everything trucking, trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, you name it. We'll talk about it here on the air. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. And speaking of everything trucking, we're we're also expanding on that idea with our podcast network. So, you know, the beauty of the podcast network is we're able to just kind of throw things against the wall and see what works. There's so many topics we've wanted to cover over the years. And and in this format, it, it's question and answer. I love this show. There's some other things we've wanted to do over the years. And now with the podcast network, we're able to do that. So, uh, for example, I, I started a new show called The Road Scholar, and it's audio book reviews. And uh, my first book review was Larry Wingett. Um, it's called Work for a Reason is the name of the book. Uh, Larry, a great author, six-time New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author. Uh, Larry is also our keynote speaker every year at the CMC, just amazing. And uh, over the years, Larry has also become a friend and mentor for me. So I was very excited to be able to do one of Larry's books uh, to kick off that podcast series. We, I don't know how many shows we're going to do on that yet. I don't know if we're going to do one every two weeks or one a month. It, it, it's really, we're working through the logistics right now, but uh, we've got lots of podcast shows going. We have uh, three shows that are really designed for small carriers. So getting your own authority, working with brokers and rates and lanes, three different shows, Hosts are doing a great job on those. Those are all available on our network. So uh, check that out. Go to letstruck.com. The network will be up and running. The shows are growing. So come on over and check that out. And we are going to continue to add shows. If you have any ideas for shows, by the way, uh, podcast type shows that would be interesting for the trucking industry. I'd love to hear your ideas. If you'd like to be a host on a show, let me know. I mean, we're training people. We're setting them up with equipment. We're helping them launch shows. If you'd like to be a co-host, uh, I'm looking for co-host as well, because we've got some shows lined up with people like Bruce Mallinson, who's going to do all about engines and Mike Beckett, who's going to do all about tires and alignment. But I could also use a co-host for those guys to kind of run the show and keep things moving so they can just answer questions. Uh, so if if you're interested in any of that, check out the website. It's letstruck.com and send me an email and you can send it to support at letstruck.com. Let's get to some phone calls today. Let's go to Denver. Michael, welcome to the program. Oh, good afternoon, Kevin. I've got uh, 
got to put an OPS system on there, um, and uh, and uh, since then I've gone to full synthetic, to mobile one, and uh, seems to be using a couple of gallons of that uh, five thirty weight right now. Every uh, well, not every. I mean, in the first eight or nine thousand miles. I'm sorry. Say that again. Okay, I, I said that the my my truck is now using since I went to full synthetic. Okay, using about two gallons of uh, full synthetic every every uh, about every eight nine thousand miles. I say every, so, but I haven't even put you know just one time. So since I've checked it, it it's 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 used about two gallons in about eight nine thousand miles. Got it. So a, a gallon every forty five hundred miles or so, which isn't critical nothing to get too concerned about yet the other thing we know is that over time the rings will reseat to that thinner oil and that consumption will go will go down some but ultimately if we're doing extended drains where where we really don't want to change the oil we just want to change filters and do a sample i don't really have a problem with the truck that uses a gallon every five thousand miles or so because it virtually even, even, allows even if the oil's at I'm sorry even if the oil's at forty three dollars a gallon yeah even so I mean if we think about that that's not a really huge cost forty three dollars into you know five thousand miles um, not really that big of a deal in fact what is that it's uh, uh, it it's less than a penny a mile it's like Eight, okay. eight one thousandths of a cent. So it, it, I gotcha. it, it's really, I know we think about that, go, oh my God, $43 a gallon. I got to put it in every 5,000 miles. It seems like a lot when you're paying for it. But when you, and this is, this is why I love numbers. This is why I encourage people to have a profit and loss because you start to understand these kind of things that we can look at this and go, oh, well, that's not even adding a penny a mile to my cost. But here's what it will allow you to do. By putting in a gallon every 5,000 and doing extended drains, it freshens the oil up and allows you to go even further before you'll ever have to change the full engine oil. So there, there, I got you. there can actually be an economic benefit to, to consuming that much oil, and it can actually keep your costs down. Okay, and then uh, and what... When, when did you say that uh, the 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 uh, seals might reseat and and stop using that much oil? About how many miles after after you, you start know, using the full synthetic? Usually fifty thousand is about the max. It'll it'll change slowly over that fifty thousand mile mark, and then that's about it. When you get to fifty thousand and you see what your oil consumption is, that's probably where it's going to stay. Okay, well, I, I feel a lot more comfortable with that. Another question for you: I I run out here in the mountains of Colorado regionally here, and you always talk about fuel mileage. What I mean, what I mean, what what's a good what's good fuel mileage running in the mountains? Well, we had a truck just to, it, and it's hard to say if you had to run from Denver over to, uh, yeah, you just let, let's say farming, you, farming, Farmington, New Mexico. Okay, <laughs> and back. So you're in the mountains yeah, right. almost the whole time. Right. Uh, right. I mean, that's just up and down and nonstop the whole time. Good fuel right. mileage in that case. What kind of trailer are you pulling and, and what kind of weight? I'm pulling a grocery trailer. Uh, I pulled 75,000 pounds out there 
last brought back uh, brought back a full trailer of uh, of dunnage grocery store dunnage you know uh, yeah. pallets and right and uh, uh, recycled cardboard and and still got six point seven miles to the gallon at the pump. Okay, and that's a good number. Now, I, I tell you what I would shoot for. It, it, and let me give you an example. We had a truck that uh, a small fleet reefer operator had four trucks running from Salt Lake City to Portland and Seattle. Kind of the same, quite a lot of poles through that area. His fleet average when he came to us on his four trucks was 5.7 on, on his four okay. trucks that he currently had. We built him our first signature glider. He bought our first signature glider. And the average on that signature glider in the exact same operation that his other trucks were getting 5.7, the signature glider got 8.7. Wow. Well, let me see here. I've got a 2010 um, Pro, uh, International Pro Star. It's got the ISX Cummins in it. Um, I've got the OPS going. I've got the uh, fast system uh, just recently hooked up to it. I've got the uh, super singles with the zero offset. I've got the fleet air filter, and I just put on a pair of Smartway uh, stair tires, Michelin's. Okay. Um, so, you know, I've got all that. And, I mean, during the middle of the summer, I've gotten as high as 9.1, 9.2 miles to the gallon running out to Nebraska. Uh, yeah, um, excellent. Got, so yeah, really good numbers that 6.7 for what you're doing, that is a very respectable number. My goal uh, in that operation, and it would be tough to reach, but it could be done. My goal would be 8. Now, the problem is with the 2010, we're dealing with emission systems, and we just don't know what they might be doing to hurt our fuel economy. We can do all the other stuff, and I recommend you do. Um, and your numbers are good. They could get better. But we've got that unknown in this operation, which are the emissions. And the ISX honestly doesn't have a great track record. But I'm glad yours is working for you. And the modifications are paying off. There's still some things you could do to it, and I would recommend that you do that. And uh, we'll get those numbers up even better. But that's a great start. Uh, I'm looking at the clock. I'm going to get us into a break, and then we will come back, and we will get to more stuff right after this. Uh, don't forget our year-end accounting special. If you haven't heard about this yet, grab something to write with because it really doesn't get any better than this. You hear me say all the time, you've got to have your numbers. You know, here was a, a great example on that prior call where he thought that that $43 a gallon was a real problem expense-wise. And when we do the math, it's not a problem at all. It's less than a penny a mile. That, that's not a big concern. Having numbers helps make decisions. It puts everything in focus. So call us and get our accounting special. It's 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. For just $25, we're going to get your entire year's worth of accounting done. You can't beat that. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's, uh, let's head off to Texas. John, welcome to the program. Yes, hello, Kevin. Yeah, what can I help you with? Yeah, on the other show, you had a caller um, asking about 1099s and brokers. Yeah. And um, the conversation came up where she didn't get a 1099 for, from her broker. I had the same issue in 2013, but my broker, it, he asked me for my FEIN number. So why would he want my number if he never put me under a deduction? Or, I mean, what if he put like, let's say 10,000 and I accidentally put um, 1,000 or he put 100 and I put 10,000? What happened then? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, There's a couple reasons why brokers might not issue a 1099. If you are incorporated, there's no requirement for them to issue you a 1099 at all, period. Um, The IRS is so lax about issuing 1099s. The fine for not issuing a 1099 is only $50, and the IRS never follows up on it ever. So lots of companies just get lazy and they just don't issue 1099s. I, I don't think we should have to. I, I think it's a, a waste of time and money and everything else. Why, why should one company be responsible for the record keeping of another company? That, that it, it's my responsibility to know my own accounting. And if that's the see, the 1099 isn't for you and I. The 1099 is for the IRS. That, that's for them to try to track as much of the money flowing back and forth as possible so they know who to go after. That's all that is. And, and so the, there's several reasons why the broker may not issue the 1099. Why do they want your EIN? Um, mostly just standard practice. You know, every piece of accounting software you have, when you go to pay somebody, it, it wants you to fill in that kind of information. So it's, it's pretty standard to ask for it. Um, you know, we have all of our vendors, uh, fill out a W nine. So we know how to handle the money. So that's not uncommon, but it doesn't mean that they're going to issue a 1099 just because they have that number. Um, so my next question is like, if I have an employee, I give him a 1099 and, uh, what I give him has to match what he reports. So, I mean, how do I know he's not putting that he's giving oh, yeah. me a million dollars? When he only Got gave me $10,000. Okay, so here's what would happen. When, when a company issues a 1099, they should send one copy to you, obviously, and another copy to the IRS. But let's say that mm. they didn't send one to you. The way you would know if it was wrong is let's say that they paid you $100,000 and you only reported 50000 well, there's going to be an immediate discrepancy on the tax return, and that'll get flagged and, and not not trigger an audit, but at least trigger a question. The IRS will say, hey, we think that you got this much money. How come you only reported this much? That's where the accounting system comes into play because companies issue incorrect 1099s all the time. And the only way to know that they issued an incorrect 1099 is to have an accounting system of your own so that you catch it. And when you catch it, you can say, no, you didn't pay me that much. You paid me this much. Here's the thing. In an audit, 
if the company says no, we paid you a hundred thousand, and you say we only paid you only paid us fifty, it always will be the responsibility of the company issuing the ten ten ninety nine to prove it. Here's why: if I say I only got fifty thousand dollars, that's impossible for me to prove. I can't prove a negative. I could pr- I could show you that I received fifty thousand. But I can't show you that I didn't receive this other money. There's no way for me to show you something that didn't happen. So it can't be my responsibility to prove this because it's impossible for me to prove I didn't get the money. It's up to the company issuing the 1099 to prove you did get the money. Because if they paid me, then they would be able to provide documents to prove that. They would be able to provide checks and invoices and things like that. So if there's a discrepancy and the IRS catches it, it will always be up to the company issuing the 1099 to prove the discrepancy. Does that make sense? Yeah, you answered my question. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah, so uh, starting in January, you'll start hearing me talk about 1099s a lot and making sure that your 1099 is correct. This is a huge problem in the industry. Lots and lots of owner-operators paying tax on money they never received because the 1099 was wrong, but they didn't have a bookkeeping system and they didn't catch it. And I've seen the mistake be as big as ten dollars and $15,000, and the owner-operator doesn't catch it. And if you think you would, you're wrong. If you don't have an accounting system, it's easy to lose $10,000. Get our startup special. I I don't know how to stress it anymore. That one reason alone, get our startup special and we will make sure your 1099 is correct. Give us a call. It's 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Let's uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Kansas. Ernie, welcome to the program. Yes, uh, and see, I was one wondering about some drive tires. I've got the XDA threes uh, Michelin's on right now, and I'm fixing to have to get some new ones. And I know that the XDA is better rolling resistance but i don't know they're hard to find i was i've heard you talk to people and there's like is there like a yokohama drive tire that as good as the xda uh yeah there is but there's also the the xda is hard to find because they discontinued that tire so okay that's that's why you're having such a hard time. The tire that replaced it is the way they refer to their tires now is they have the X line, which are drive tires, and those are duals. And they have the X1 line, which are wide singles. So if we use the X line, the duals, it is the uh, Energy D is the name of the tire that replaced the XDA. Okay, and that would be in a 24.5. You could get it in that. Uh, boy, you know, I can't remember if you can get that tire in a 24.5 or not. The Yokohama, you can. Uh, the Bridgestone, 
uh, M720 and M710, both really good drive tires. And I'm 99% sure you can get those in uh, 24 fives. So you may want to look at the, if you can't get the Michelin Energy D in a 24.5, and I don't think you can. Um, I think the best drive tire that Michelin makes in a, in a 24.5 is their XDA3, which has a rolling resistance of about 115. Still a little too high for me. It's not a horrible tire, but you can do better. Um, so I think what you're going to look for is the Bridgestone uh, M710 and 720. Okay. And uh, you said there was a Yokohama also? Or did, would you know the number on it? Uh, you know, let me go look and see if I can figure that one out real quick. I always have a harder time with the Yokohamas. I'm just not as familiar with them. Uh, they have the, in a drive with really good rolling resistance, they've got, the uh, TY517MC2. That's a drive tire with a rolling resistance of 102. Uh, and that's a 2Y what? TY, Tango Yankee, Tango Yankee 517MC2. Yeah, I just I'm trying to find the new ones, and I'm kind of stuck on the twenty four fives. I, I, I do a lot of I do uh, hopper bottoms, and we dump in them swing out augers, and I need the height. Okay, and now is the the height in that case is it fifth wheel height or frame clearance height that you need? Well, it'd be like the hopper height on the bottom of the trailer. Oh, so. so you could build up your fifth wheel. Yeah, I could, but uh, my truck right now is geared just right. Okay. Three yeah, you know, you, right. you, you don't lose much. It's only about 50 RPM, which really doesn't affect fuel mileage much, but the lower rolling resistance on the 22.5s affects fuel mileage a lot. So even though you might lose a little bit with the RPM, you'll make up more with the rolling resistance. If it were me, I would go to the 22.5s and elevate my fifth wheel instead. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The number to get hold of us if you need to, 855-800-FUEL. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to the Buckeye State. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. What's on your mind Question today? for you today. All right. I, um, I put new fuel tanks on my Columbia Freightliner, and after putting on the fuel tanks, 
I got to thinking. I think I missed one ten driver's side and ninety passengers. Thought that was weird. So I had two one tens made and put on. After I did because things you know, Herschel, I'm gonna put you back on hold. Uh, you're breaking up so much. I was having a hard time understanding you there. So uh, I'm going to put you back on hold. We're going to see if we can get a, a better line there, and uh, I'll, I'll try to come back to you. Uh, so I am going to head off to Texas. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? Hey. Uh, earlier today, I was listening to Dave Nemo, and they had uh, one of the vendors from Fasto on. They're talking about engine coolant heating, and I was very interested. That guy, gentleman was mentioning, and I didn't get, I didn't, I caught part of the, the story, but uh, they were mentioning that if you can run the heater at night um, to keep your engine and coolant warmer, um, when you start your truck, obviously in the morning, you you know a warm engine which is nice, but they said that that can cut your emissions down by fifty percent, which would you know, obviously well, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. One of the things that kill a DPF filter is idling. So obviously by having the Webasto to keep things warm, you reduce the idling dramatically. That would really help the emissions and the, the DPF filter. Starting it warm has a benefit as well. I mean, I don't I, that number they're using. I don't think could be just from the start alone. I think it's from the fact that you're not idling all night. But starting a warm engine, yes, will cut down on emissions. So every time you start the truck when it's warm, you're that's an advantage. I, I'm a big believer in the diesel-fired bunk heaters like the Webasto. Um, and I have one in my truck. I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking to build a new truck in the spring. And I, even though I work, I, I never leave Texas. I have a leash, and I can stay within 100 miles of where I paid up to deliver all my loads. But I'm a big fan of not having a cold engine in the morning because, you know, usually I, I track usually the first mile, uh, gallon of fuel. I usually get about three miles per gallon, um, even with my Cascadia. And then once it warms up, I'm at eight miles per gallon. Yeah. So if I can yeah. spend, spend two dollars or three dollars diesel to keep my engine and save. $8, you know, on extra fuel burns, the cold engine, you know, it, it adds up over the lifetime. Yeah, the, the so, diesel-fired heaters make a ton of sense to me. And, again, it, it's an option whether or not you want them to cool or heat the coolant in the engine as well. And I think if you're going to have the diesel-fired heater, you should have the engine coolant option because I, I think that's a really smart feature. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get a short power with my truck. I don't need an APU because I'm home four nights a week. But I, if I can avoid burning extra knees, I will. Well, that's it. I appreciate it. You have yourself a good weekend. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, no question. I, I like the diesel-fired bunk heaters a lot. They're inexpensive. They're very inexpensive to operate. Heating with diesel fuel is cheap. I mean, it's just like home heating oil. It, it is Diesel fuel is a cheap way to ch heat things. So using a diesel-fired heater for the bunk is a great idea. And yes, if you run cold climates, and that's why you would need the heater, then plumb in the coolant 
because it circulates the coolant, keeps it warm. Great for starting, uh, much more efficient. And um, Sean made a good point that when you start a cold engine, you get a lot of emissions, a lot of soot, a lot of particulate that will clog that DPF much faster. But if you keep that engine warm when you start it, you don't have all those contaminants, much more likely to keep that DPF clean longer. Uh, I'm going to go back to Ohio and try Herschel again. Herschel, go ahead. Hey, Kevin, you hear me now? Oh, that's much better. Okay, good deal. Anyway, um, I changed fuel tanks on my truck. It had a 110 and a 90. I thought it was weird to have two different sizes, so I put on two 110s. And after I did it and picked the truck I've got going down the road, I thought, boy, that's going to mess up my fuel gauges because I told the system that I carry 200, now carry 220. What do I do, if anything, because this is that going to mess up my fuel gauges? Now, do you mean the fuel gauge that's in the truck, or are you talking about a scan gauge? No, fuel gauge is your oh. fuel mileage tracking program. Uh, let me think about that for a second. Um, we don't ask for the capacity in the system. All the All the system needs to know is whether you did a fill-up or not. So it shouldn't matter... I'm trying to think if if they're like the first fill up could be off because of it. Well, you know what you know what I would do on your first fill up, check that it was not a fill up. The first time you put fuel in using the new tanks, check that it wasn't a fill up. And what that does is it just resets the odometer so that the next time we do a true fill up, it it's more accurate because I'm thinking that there's there would only be a problem in that initial changeover. And by checking okay, sure that I it do. wasn't a fill-up, that will reset the odometer so that it will be correct. So am I understanding you want me to click partial or do you yes. want me to hit OD reset? Uh, hit OD reset. That would be even better. I forgot we, ch- we added that feature f- just for reasons like this. Yeah, hit OD reset, okay. and then that way... The next time you go to fuel up, it will it will be correct. Even though the tanks are bigger, that's not going to matter. Okay, and one more thing. Fuel level between the tanks. Right now, because of the new tanks being on there, I had some air problems at first because obviously the lines were all disconnected putting them on. Uh, right now, I have a driver's side tank that is full to the rim and a passenger side tank that is five inches lower than the driver's side. How close should they be? And if, if I have a problem, you got any ideas what to do about it? Maybe. Uh, yeah, the problem is I, I probably have too many ideas. Um, this is a <laughs> fairly common problem. And the reason I say I might have too many ideas is it seems like every single time somebody calls us with this issue, it turns out to be something different. It'll be the crossover valve. It'll be a clogged vent. It'll be a fuel line that's too small. Just weird stuff. And many times trucks will start doing this and then just fix themselves. It's like they get a vapor lock somewhere. And it. And it I, I've had trucks do it several times. They'll They'll start this uneven draining of the tank and I'll be racking my brain and trying to figure out what it is. And then all of a sudden it just fixes itself and stops. So how close should they be? They they should be identical. 
That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, they, they should run pretty darn close to identical. Now, the problem is sometimes the problem is created by the way the truck is drawing the fuel, and sometimes the problem is created by the way it's returning the fuel. Because remember, we pull fuel out of the tanks, but we also dump fuel back in. And sometimes this problem is caused because all the return fuel is going to one tank. Other times it's caused because all of the intake fuel is only pulled from one tank. So it seems like every time we have to address this problem, it turns out to be something different. Okay, I'll keep an eye on it, and uh, maybe I'll figure it out. Yeah, check, check your vents. Uh, occasionally, I've taken both caps off and let the truck run for a while, and believe it or not, that's actually kind of solved the problem. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to say, uh, um, you know what? I'm going to squeeze in a quick call here. Sean in Texas. Go ahead. Uh, Kevin, I just talked to you. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Never mind. Uh, and I'm looking at the clock and we're, we're out of time anyway. So I'm, uh, I'm going to wrap this up and we'll call it a night and we will see you back here next time. I do appreciate you uh, taking an hour out of your time today and spending it with me. I know there's lots of things you could be listening to and uh, I'm honored that you chose to listen to our show today and uh, hope to see you back here again soon. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. If you need any help from us, we have a whole team here. Uh, of people just waiting to help owner-operators and drivers with whatever you might need. So write down this phone number and give us a call. It's 855-800-FUEL, 855-800-3835. Check out the new recording schedule, and you can find this on the website at letstruck.com every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Put a reminder in your phone, dial this phone number, and join us for the recordings. The number is 347-884-8327. And again, if you if you didn't get all that, check it out on the website. It's letstruck.com. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work. And master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.